Please turn your Bibles to John chapter 6. Let me just read uh, from verse 26 onward, just so we can all go in the same direction. This whole section right till the end, right till verse 71, is all one massive section. So you really need to hear all of it at once in a sense. So let me just read and, and catch us up to where we left off. So once again, let me turn my page again. John chapter 6, verse 26, Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Remember, this is just after they'd been fed. And he says in verse 27, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. Now he's starting something here that is going to continue. Because God the Father has set his seal on him. That's, God has approved him. Amen? And um, <clears throat> verse 28, Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? So this again is them asking him, What particular, this is law works, okay? Does God require them to do to earn a place in the kingdom? People are always looking to earn their way in. Okay, <laughs> And Jesus answered and said to them, this is so important, he said, this is the work of God. Uh, literally, the particular work God requires you to do and which pleases him, that you believe in him whom he sent. In other words, he's saying, you need to believe in me. <laughs> All right, verse 30. Now, I'd love to stop and, and I would love to pause there, but I think I spend enough time on that. But please don't let that verse pass you by. Yeah. All right, I want you to notice that the work that we are given to do is faith. That is the work that God is looking for. In fact, let me just, I, I think I might have added a few notes to this. Um, Jesus actually calls the exercise of faith work that pleases God. And William Hendrickson says, man must render to God the work of faith. I really like that. That is what God is looking for. You know, so much of the time we, we, we look at things and we blame things on God because we're not doing what we're meant to be doing. And we say, well, why did God let this happen? And you know what? God's looking at us and asking the same question. He's saying, why did you let this happen? Because he said, let them have dominion and they're not. They're just pushing it off on God. Anyway, not, not preaching on that today. All right, verse 30, and let's see what happens. All right, verse 30, therefore they said to him, what sign, can you believe these people, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? Now I want you to notice this is the opposite of faith. We believe, then we see. In fact, we walk by faith, not by sight. They're saying, what sign will you do that we may see it and believe? People that work that way are always looking to see something before they believe it. Are you all with me? Okay. He says, what work will you do? Verse 31, our fathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven. So I want you to notice this theme. He has fed them. This is what John is brilliant in what he does. You know, he, he begins with... Jesus feeds the 5,000 men, okay, and then 15,000 probably altogether. He feeds them. Then this begins. They say, well, we, we get what you did, but, you know, what else can you do? You want us to believe you? And they, they point towards something that happened back in their past when God fed all the Israelites, remember Moses, okay, with manna. 
And so they've got this, they've got this in their brain. They're saying, well, it's great and all. I mean, can they do this? It's great and all that you had something to multiply and you, you multiplied the bread. I want you to notice this whole theme of bread is coming up now. Eating. Okay, nourishment. And so this, it, this is going to run in a certain direction where he's going to really challenge them. And I, I pray that I get to it today, towards the end of this chapter. All right? So I want you to see that this is actually a theme that began. And, and he's going to continue on. And so he's, they say, Our fathers ate manna in the desert, verse 31. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. See, there's the thing they're saying. All right? <laughs> This is a quote, by the way, from Psalm 78, 24. I didn't give that to you before. Anyway, verse 32. And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven. See, now that's the whole thing, isn't it? When you read the incident, all Moses did was tell them where to go look. And tell them what to do with it. He just gave them instructions. He didn't wave a pole and make any of it. That came down from God because Moses said they're complaining again. This, I don't want this job anymore. <laughs> anyway, can I quit? Can we put that? <laughs> Joshua looks good. Maybe he should. Uh... Anyway, verse 32. And so again, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. So he's turning their attention from the fact that, you know, they ate manna in the desert, which perished, which only lasted so long. And in fact, all the people that ate it died think that's going to come up in a minute or maybe I don't know anyway we all know they died right okay (laughs) that's no mystery okay and he's saying there is another bread that comes from heaven that will give you everlasting life so again verse 32 most assuredly I say to you Moses did not give you the bread from heaven but my father gives you the true bread from heaven talking about himself then he goes on to say something incredible in the next verse And that is, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I really like that last little bit. It's the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to who? The whole world. Not a selected few. Verse 34. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. You know what? (laughs) You know what they're saying? They're going, we don't want to go work. We we just want to sit at home and eat this bread and not do anything and be happy and filled. That is what they're saying. Because they were filled, you know, before, and they thought, this is great. It was a free lunch. You know, with Jesus, there is a free lunch. Amen. No strings attached. And they're going, we want that kind of all the time. We want that all the time. Verse 35, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me, and in in the Greek, it alludes to, With a believing heart. Okay? So he says, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me with a believing heart shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now. Yeah, no, right. Verse 36. He says, but you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. However, uh, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. Now, we stopped here and I spoke to you about the fact that God sees into people's hearts. Amen. You know, this is one of the, it saddens me how the intellectual community out there doesn't see this. 
doesn't understand this and they go off on a tangent and talk about predestination and some people God will save and some people God won't and so on and so forth. If God did that, then he can't, there cannot be a judgment. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Because you say the deck was stacked against me, you had the power to, to get me saved and you didn't. End of story. Okay? And you can't do that. So I spent a lot of time last week talking about that. I want to move on from that. But I need you to understand that there is no... You know what? On a personal note, you know, I just think people that have predestination in their brain is so that it makes them feel special. Can we just be real for a minute? Because I'm predestined to get saved, and you're not. You're useless. I'm so good. See how there's that eliteness? That's what the Jews used to do. And, you know, it's sad that we carried it into the Gentile world. And we're saying things that we shouldn't be saying. So please don't do that, okay? All right, moving on. Now verse 38, we caught up. He says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now, notice firstly Jesus says, I have come down from heaven. With William Hendrickson saying, One who is born of a virgin, and who accordingly never had a human father, in the ordinary sense of the term, and is not a human person, though he has human nature, must have come down out of heaven. See, Jesus, this is the, you know, this is the other thing that we need to understand, that Jesus Christ's father wasn't Joseph. That's why he, you know, remember when they lost him? And they went looking for him? Where did they find him? In the temple. What did he say to them when they said, we were worried, you know, your father and I were looking everywhere for you. And he said, where would you think I would be except in my father's house? He was trying to say, listen, even though I came in this way, Joseph isn't dad. God is dad. Amen. And we need to understand this. We need to understand that Jesus Christ is unique in that way. See, we couldn't have a natural person save any of us. This is important, okay? That's why there is no prophet that was born of a woman that came from a man can ever be a savior. Because we all fell. I don't care how enlightened you get, everybody fell. Sin entered. So somebody had to come that was separate from this. Amen? Anyway, I want you to notice something here. In verse 38, he says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 39, and this is the will of God. I really love that Jesus says, I came to do the will of God, and I'm going to tell you what it is. All right, he says, this is the will of God, or literally the Father, that I should not, this is so important, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me. In the literal text, it, it infers this, but they be kept and guarded to the very end. I really like that. See, we miss a lot in the English, don't we? All right, so he says that, and he says that I should raise them to eternal life on that last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see His Son and believe in Him should have eternal life, that I should raise them 
at that last day. Now, I, I just, I, I want to share something with you that I pray will be a blessing to you. Firstly, we see here our responsibility to believe in the Lord. Because God works through faith. Remember again Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Everything we do is by faith. You know, we're looking to work at something and God says, your work is faith. (laughs) We don't want to work our faith. We just want to let it lie there because it's too hard. We, you, you know, that's the most difficult thing we've been asked to do is believe. Do you know what our problem is? We've got five senses that come against that. We've got five senses that want to measure and want to observe and want to theorize and want to do all this science stuff. When the person that made it created all of it, we discover laws that he created. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And then we want to argue with him. He says, you know, the laws I created, I can bend, I can break, if you believe. What do you mean? Jesus walked on water. You can't do that normally. I mean, the stupid explanations that people bring with regard to that is amazing. I don't want to go through them, but if you've heard anything other than Jesus actually did walk on water. Not on pebbles that looked like he walked on water. Not that he was on the shore and it was so dark they couldn't tell the difference between him walking on water and not. And how could he get in the boat if he was on shore? And these are fishermen, they're not idiots. You know, they're just uh, oh, some of the things I read. And again, these, are, these ones were good, okay? They said these are some of the objections and they're all dumb and I agree with them. This is a God <laughs> Nah, I mean faith. Let's get back to it, all right? Faith. You need faith to live in the kingdom of God. Because there are some things you won't understand. And there are some things you don't need to understand. Do you know I think it is wonderful that Jesus on God doesn't expect you to comprehend things in order to live a successful life. He didn't say that if you're brilliant, you'll get there. If you're stupid, you'll never get there. Are you all with me? See, there is something very interesting about God. He says if you believe in your heart, you can move mountains. That's it. Everybody has a heart. Regardless of where you are intellectually, you can believe with your heart the same as everybody else. Are you all with me? So there's no such thing as, oh, pastor is so, you know, got all this word and knows all this stuff. So obviously he will definitely do more because he knows all this. No, no, no. That, that, if that ever happened, then God will be a respecter of persons and intellect. But he is no respecter of people. He does respect faith because it's trust in him. When you say, God, I trust you. You know, in fact, some of the problems that we have is with our brain. We need to shut the thing off. It kind of starts to, you know, it's like Philip. You know, when Jesus said, how are we going to feed these people? You know, Philip is kind of one of those people that walks around with a calculator. He goes, now let's see. Oh, it looks like about 5,000 people per head. Boy, we don't have much. 
they ain't going to get much. See, the numbers don't lie. <laughs> no, truly. What did Jesus do? He said, watch this. And he starts multiplying. Wait, that does not compute. Matter can neither be created nor destroyed. What is going on here? These don't follow the rules of matter. Uh, when you're the creator, who cares? It, yeah, I like that. It don't matter. I like that. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. I have to keep moving. Okay. But what I want to share with you is this. Secondly, most importantly, Leon Morris says this. He says, the salvation Jesus brings is no fleeting thing. He used another word, but you won't understand it. It is ultimate and final. This thought is of the greatest comfort to believers. Their assurance is based not on their feeble hold on Christ, but on his sure grip on them. Amen? Notice again. He said... He said that I should not lose even one. That's his grip on us. You start wandering off, he'll get all over you. Like they say, like white on rice. I mean, they'll, he'll be there, man, and he'll make it so hard for you to do the wrong thing. Yeah. Now, you, can, you still have a will. You can still do dumb things. But understand something. You know, somebody once said, the most miserable person on the planet isn't a sinner. It's the sinning Christian. <laughs> Do you know why? Because God's all over them. Just look at Jonah. Okay? <laughs> it's just, you can't get away from God. And he won't get away from you. He loves you too much to leave you alone. Amen. Okay, moving on. Must, must move on. Lots of verses to go. Okay, verse 41. Now, this is, it starts turning now. All right. <laughs> the Jews... So John 6.41, the Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Huh. This is, you know, whenever John uses the term the Jews, it's a term uh, that often is associated with hostility yeah. in his gospel. Okay, not all the gospels, just his. Yeah. Hendrickson points out, it must not escape notice that it was the Jews who did the complaining. Literally, the muttering, the murmuring, and the, and the grumbling. Ugh, got that one wrong. Okay, all right. <laughs> the muttering, the murmuring, and the grumbling. So it goes and say, verse 42, then, And they said, is, Now watch this, they're getting offended, right? Is not this, and it's actually got fellow. <laughs> this, that's for you guys. All right? He said, is this fellow Jesus, or is not this fellow Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it that he's... Then that he says, I have come down from heaven. Uh, what happened yesterday when he fed you? And you wanted to make him king by force. What happened when he healed everybody? Ooh, ah, Jesus, oh. Now we tell, who is this fellow? Aren't people just, wow. Are you all with me? You know, it's one thing if he, if he makes these wild claims without doing anything. But once you do some stuff, you know, you just think, okay, you know, maybe we need to think a little deeper about what he's saying. Maybe there is something about him. We, we might have known him in the natural, but maybe we never knew him. Maybe there was something a lot more to him. Maybe we should have paid closer attention. Mm, that's a thing with people, you know. After they lose it, oh, I should have paid attention. Yeah. Before that, you were complaining and carrying it. Anyway, back to this. Uh, 
All right, as mentioned before, the Jews are upset. Firstly, because Jesus said he was the bread of life. Secondly, because he says, I have come down from heaven. Now, in doing that, he is actually making himself equal with God. To them, that's blasphemy. Okay? William Hendrickson says, their argument was, we have known him since the days of his childhood. His father, his mother, his family, yet now he is grown up, and look what happens. He makes extravagant claims. Does he actually expect us to believe them? Like I said, it would be outrageous had he not multiplied the bread and fed the thousands and healed people that nobody else could do anything about. Amen? So, in view of all this, there was no excuse for this scornful pride with William Hendrickson saying that they could have asked questions in a polite and humble manner. But instead, the question which they actually asked were wrong both in content and spirit. Because of their negative attitude, it goes in the same, verse 43, Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at that last day. Now I want you to notice, listen carefully to what Jesus is saying now. Verse 45, it is written in the prophets that they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Notice he says those who have learned from the Father. Not in their synagogue, not in their scrolls, not in all their reading, but the Father. See, this has to do with relationship. So, so much of the time, you know, I have to catch myself that I'm not studying so much that I'm losing my relationship with God. Some days I'm pulling apart or something, and, you know, I just think, uh, excuse me, what does this mean? Because <laughs> some days we just get, you know, like a dog with a bone. You just try to get caught up with something, and you don't see the, was it the forest with the trees or whatever. Okay, you just, you, you forget that this is a living word. That the, per, that the author is actually alive. That if you get stuck somewhere, ask. You know, like in school, you put your hand up. You can do that in the spirit. You say, excuse me, I don't get this. <laughs> you know? And I believe this is a problem with a lot of intellectuals in the Christian world. That they try to figure everything you know, out in their brain and they just don't go to God and ask. That's really sad because sometimes he'll give you an answer and it's so simple you kind of go, oh yeah, of course. Amen. Continuing on. Not, not that anyone, no, so let's, let me go back a little bit. So again, uh, verse 45, it is written in the prophets that they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Verse 46, not that anyone has seen the Father except who, uh, he who is from God, he has seen the Father. Now, William MacDonald writes, the fact that people are taught by God does not mean that they have seen him. The only one who has seen the Father is the one who came from God, namely the Lord Jesus himself. Okay? So there is a difference between you physically seeing God, which is what Jesus is saying. I was there. I remember in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. I've seen God. I, <laughs> he is God. Amen? And the word was God. Okay, so... Verse 47, I would like to share more on this, but we need to get through this, all right? <clears throat> what follows is one of the clearest and briefest statements in all the Word of God concerning the way of, sal the way of salvation, with Jesus saying there, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Please hear these words. They're so simple. 
we try to make it so complicated. I have heard people, you know, ministering saying, now you need to believe these 26 points and you need to do these 30 things and you need to go up these five mountains. No, they didn't say that. I'm just adding. <laughs> okay. You know, they just make it so difficult. And Jesus is so simple. I told you this is not about intellect. Neither is about a lot of work. Please, please get what I'm saying. Remember they asked Jesus, what work can we do? He said, the work that I need you to do, the work that God needs you to do, is to believe. He comes back to it again, and he says here, He who believes in me has everlasting life. That's it. You know, we have the apostle pausing if you confess with your mouth and everything else. But see, this takes care of all of it. Because somebody jumps up and says, yeah, but what if they can't speak? Well, now we know. Jesus says very simply, he who believes in me, if you believe, you got a heart, you know, you can't have a, you can't be alive without a heart. That's one thing you need. Everything else might not be working, but that's got to work. Can I get a little amen on this? So there's, you know, if you got the one thing, one, 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 one thing that is keeping you alive is the thing can get you saved. That's all we need. You don't have to write it, you don't have to say it, you don't have to do nothing. Can we take Jesus' word over everything else? I, I want to, because he's God and everything. <laughs> okay, and this is all about him. Front and back, it's all about him. Amen. Amen. And I want you to hear these words. He who believes, watch again, he says, he who believes in me has everlasting life. There's no ifs, no ands, no buts. You believe in me, you're there. End of story. Don't worry about what anybody else says. And this is where the problem is. Yeah, but what if people sinned and everything else? See, that's a whole other issue. That comes under carnal Christians. Woo, they can get so carnal. You can't tell them from the world. In fact, some of the world looks better than them. I'm, I'm serious. It amazes me. I just think it can't be. And he goes, yeah, sadly. That's one of mine. Do you want God to say that about you? Do you want him to sigh when he... <laughs> I want him to be happy and say, Natasha is one of mine. What about that one? We don't want to talk about that one. But she's one of... <laughs> okay? You know, I'm trying to, you know, Christina is one of mine. And I don't have to go to the whole church. Okay, but you know, put your name in there. Okay, don't, don't get upset that I didn't call your name. Okay, but see, you guys, you know, God's happy when he points to you. But there are some people out there. I know. I know. My goodness, the things that they think. I want to... I have to carry a throw-up bag with me. No, seriously, you know, we worry about the little things that we don't believe. You ought to see the gigantic things that people don't believe. You even question, do they even know God? I am serious. They have letters after their name. They're very religious. And I truly wonder, you know, there's a carnality to Christians, but then also there is a Jesus saying, I never knew you. That means they were never saved. They looked all religious and everything. Jesus said to the religious leaders of his day, you are of your father, the devil. Outwardly you represent God, but on the inside, your father isn't God at all. The person who is speaking to you, the person who is influencing you, the person you are listening to, isn't God the father, it's the devil. And you're going to spend all your time with him. You keep this up. 
Amen? He says, you see Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you know, up there, and you yourself cast into hell. Verse 48. He says, he repeats, he says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. There's the point. He says, you keep talking about, oh, we want bread from heaven. That'll, you know, that'll just keep your life for a minute and you'll die. You, you want that? That's what, is that all you want? And he says, this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. He's saying you've been going and warning after. See, this is the thing. This is the problem that we have. So much of the time, we get so caught up in the physical and we want natural things at the expense of spiritual things. Now, once you go after God, seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all the other stuff will be added to you. If you seek the right thing first, everything else will chase after you. You go after that and you'll never catch it. And if you do, there'll be a price tag on it. Are you all with me? Okay. John MacArthur explains that the manna that was given in the wilderness, although sent from heaven to help sustain the Israelites for their physical needs, could not impart eternal life nor meet their spiritual needs as could the bread of life that came down from heaven in the person of Jesus the Messiah. The proof of this contrasts uh, centers in the irrefutable fact that all the fathers died who ate the wilderness manna. Okay, so there's no question that didn't work. It came from heaven and you ate it and you died. But there is something that has come from heaven that if you eat it, you will have eternal life. Amen. Amen. Verse 51, he says, I am. And now watch, he doesn't just say the bread. I want you to see the difference now. He says, I am the living bread which comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. What is he talking about? His crucifixion. They're not hearing this still. To them, we're hungry, we want to eat something, we don't know what you're saying. Because all we're listening for is natural things. <laughs> We're going to find out all this is taking place in the synagogue, by the way. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? This was repulsive to the Jews, okay? See, the Jews couldn't go beyond the physical perspective. As Hendrickson puts it, unbelief never understands the mysteries of salvation. Moreover, it is ever ready to scoff and to say, this or that is sheer impossibility. We need to be careful. And so be, they become confused and angry. And it goes in to say in verse 53, I'm run out of time, so we might have to stop here. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Ugh. I can't leave you there. But, <laughs> okay? So let me share something with you, and then we'll pick it up next week. All right? First of all, Leon Morris says, eating and drinking Christ, Christ's flesh and blood, spiritually speaking, appears to be a very graphic way of saying that people must take Christ into their innermost being. Now remember again, how did this gospel begin? In the beginning was the Word. 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, verse 14, and the Word became flesh. Let's go back. Flesh came from the Word. The flesh that Jesus is talking about is what? The Word. He's saying you've got to consume the Word in the same way that you eat a meal. You know, the food can't do anything while it's sitting on a plate. While it's in here, it can't do any good. You've got to take it and you've got to chew on it. And you know, have you noticed you can't just swallow a steak? You've got to meditate on it. You've got to chew on it and chew and chew and chew before you swallow. You better. Otherwise, we're going to have to take you to a hospital and go, what happened? He swallowed a whole cow. You know, okay. <laughs> All right. You really need to see this because Jesus is talking from a spiritual standpoint now and people are going to miss it. This all started with him multiplying the loaves and the fishes, feeding them, them wanting food. Now we're on to that. And he's saying, I am the bread of life. In fact, he's saying, I am the living bread. I am the word that became flesh. You need to consume this in the same way. You need to understand that this is the word of God speaking to you. And as you receive the word of God from the word and take it into your innermost being, that you don't just listen to it and hear it, have a little promise card and don't do anything with it, but actually internalize it. In the same way you eat food and internalize the thing, the thing can't do any good until you chew on it and you send it into your body and then your body will start doing something with it. Yeah. Are you all with me? The same thing is with the word. You've got to take this in, you've got to chew on it, you've got to meditate on it, and then it will start to work in all the parts that you need it to work in. Are you getting this? So he is going to start talking about things in, in, in that light, and they're not going to hear any of it. All they're going to see is, ooh, flesh, ooh, blood. Oh, we can see it just squirting everywhere. And, ugh, we can't do that. This is, this is, they're going to say, this is a hard saying. It's actually not. The Greek says, this is repulsive. Coming attractions, okay? This is <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to come next week because we don't want to hear this. But, you know, I need to understand something that he is making a point. He is trying to say you can't have a casual relationship with God. You've got to just take him in and he has got to become a part of your life. You can't play with this. Do you hear me? He's the only one that will satisfy your hunger for those things that you know that are out there that are just beyond reach. No calculator can figure it out. Science or maths can't figure it out. It is just kind of, just, you know, it's there. We can't quite get at it. And that hunger drives us to do Nazi things. And he's saying, this will satisfy, satisfy that hunger. And not just once. How many times do you eat? Well, some of us more than others. <laughs> a couple of times a day. Can I safely say that? Unless you're fasting, but then you can't do that for the rest of your life. Okay? When you come back, don't go to McDonald's. That's not a good way to break a fast. But, <laughs> you know, again, this is something you do all the time. And when you eat, you spend time eating. And you need to do the same thing with the Word. Make sure that you spend time 
in the word with the author because he'll help you digest the thing. He'll help you see. It will become revelation to you. It will become life to you. It won't be just words on a page. It, it will be life everlasting. Amen? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word, and we just thank you, Father, for all that we are learning, and we thank you, Father, that we see more and more the importance of spending time with you, the importance of taking time to meditate on the Word of God. To not just read chapters, but to stop, to look, listen. Hallelujah. Listen to the Spirit. And allow Him to speak life through your Word into our spirit. And I just thank you, Father for each and every person, both here and online, that they receive this word and that their relationship with you strengthens. They begin to realize the places where they have tried to do things instead of just spending time with you. This isn't about just doing things for you. It is about relationship. It's about fellowship. It's about sitting down and just listening to your voice. Hallelujah. As you speak words of life into our heart and into our spirit. And wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen.